0: Good morning, church. Um, okay, enough of that, okay? Uh, well, next week we know we have uh, the commissioning for uh, uh, Melanie. So this week, let's do a little warm-up, uh, because this week is about short-term mission. Uh, last year, about two months ago, uh, in November, uh, there was a team from us, the four of us, uh, went to Mexico, Mexico City, for a one-week exploration trip. Uh and during that trip we were trying to explore ministry opportunities that VCPC can participate in for the long run and, and establish partnership with local Mexican organizations and churches. Uh and that's that's what we did. The four of us, including myself, uh the other three uh, members were Hyron from the Cantonese congregation, uh Helena from your very own English congregation and also Brian Lee From Mandarin congregation. Well, the two Brian is sitting together. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, from the Mandarin congregation, Brian. Uh, So today, uh, the two of them, uh, Helena and Hyron, will be sharing to you their experiences. And I'm going to turn it over to them first uh, before I would continue my sermon. So, Hyron first.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sam. Hola, ¿cómo está? That's all I know, okay? <laughs> Maybe uh, buenos días. But uh, we went to Mexico City a couple months ago. And this is the uh, apparently the famous uh, plaza or the square where they call it the three cultures meet. Um, so I'll talk a little bit more about it later on. Well, Mexico City is actually e- very easy to get to. They're direct flights, so you don't have to change planes in Dallas or wherever. Four and a half hours flights, directly from Vancouver, you'll be there. Uh, so it is, it's pretty easy. It's not that expensive. I mean, uh, we got a pretty cheap fare, 520 bucks return, except for Helena. <laughs> she booked late, so she had to pay more. Uh, Mexico City is actually is quite, quite an interesting city because it uh, um, has a very slightly different culture. But it, what is different is, is actually a high elevation. So Vancouver is, is at sea level. Richmond is below sea level. Uh, if you go to uh, uh, Kunming, it's in China, it's, it's about 6,000 square feet. And Mexico City is a bit higher than that. So for me, uh, when I first went there, I felt a little bit out of breath walking up the stair, But after a couple of days, fine. So you guys will be fine. No problem. Uh, what, what really amazed, uh, amazed me was that it has a lot of people. Uh, Mexico City it, by itself had million, 21.2 million people. Compared to the whole of British Columbia, it's only 5 million. And it has a lot of Beautiful architects like this is a uh, inside of a cathedral. So because Mexico is supposedly a, a, a Catholic-based uh, country, so it has a lot of uh, beautiful, beautiful city uh, uh, architect. Um, but they also have a lot of interesting uh, buildings. Like you see on the, on on that side is the uh, they are the very colorful houses, uh, and then of course the. A lot La Paz, which is the uh, the site where one of the churches is supposed to be building uh, another a church there, and it's actually sitting on top of the little mountain overlooking the city, Mexico City. We every day we walk to the host church, uh, about 10 minutes walk from the the hotel. Uh, trust me, it's safe. Okay, despite all the people saying that oh, it's not very safe in Mexico City. Um, but every day we have to walk through a tunnel. You see on on, on that side, uh, and then everywhere you walk, you see little shops, street markets, people selling like making foods, breakfast, and, and selling trinkets, uh, stuff that I wouldn't buy. But but nonetheless, the people were buying and selling. Uh, we went to four. Main uh, areas of the uh, surrounding Mexico City, uh, chimalocan which is a, about an hour drive east of uh, Mexico City, um, uh, La Paz, uh, or La which is another thirty minutes south of uh, chimalocan uh, and then the other days we went to a couple other places that are on the east and the north side of the, uh, the city. Those, the, the, all the places that we visited, uh, are poor. Uh, They're not like Vancouver. They they are poor. Um, And I don't know if you have any programs, uh, pictures here. But what what I found was they build a lot of houses in in those neighborhoods. But a lot of them, they don't have a top. And they have a lot of uh, uh, steel wires sticking out. Because when they have enough money, they start to build a second story, third story, and so on. Uh, But generally speaking, it's a poor neighborhood. Uh, there are a number of programs that we visited after school kinder school, primary school and God also gave us the, uh, the opportunity, the experience of actually uh, seeing the, the, uh, the Hondur- Honduras uh, caravan migrants uh, going into one of the, um, the stadiums where we actually we also had a tour of the stadium too but what, what impressed me, uh, God impressed me the most is my visit to a, 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 a suburb of Mexico City called uh, Torpedo. If you, could, you can Google online, and see where it is. This actually is it, it's a very dense uh, neighborhood of about 74 blocks. Um, it has basically has a nickname called the Barrio Bravo. It, it's a fierce neighborhood, and you don't want to wander around there at night. Definitely, even daytime. Uh, Surrounding the city, you have policemen with machine guns. All right. So nighttime, I don't know. Uh, they are they they're selling drugs and doing a whole bunch of illegal exchanges at night. Uh, but what's famous about that area is it has a street market, uh, almost like the uh, the flower uh, guy, you know, in in Hong Kong, but except that there's a lot more people. Um, they the people doing business there, buying and selling. Uh, the Chinese, and Korean own. of the properties. Um, We we visited uh, some of the buildings there and essentially it's a lot of uh, people from mainland China have done business there. So there's a lot of opportunity for for people who can speak Mandarin uh, to to go and visit them and and talk to them. Um, Of of course, for those who don't uh, speak Mandarin uh, that well, including myself, and neither could I speak um, uh, Spanish you could also help out to do to teach English. But what what I uh, I not I'm not saying enjoy but what, what I feel comfortable about going there is that uh Pasalo uh warned us ahead of time that don't bring any money there because you get robbed. In fact one of the teams got robbed twice, uh the, the prior teams. Uh so we were do not. I do not wear any watches, no jewelry, no cameras, no wallets. and only bring enough peso just for the day. And guess what? I feel really good because I have nothing to worry about. <laughs> you can steal whatever you want. Don't take my life, but other than that, you know, I have $20, 200 two hundred dollar peso. Take it, you know. So that that reminds me of when we are doing, you know, living in Vancouver. We are worrying too much about oh, what to eat, what to wear. Should I wear this Prada or, or LVE Or I don't know what. I, I'm not not into that. But you people, we are worrying too much about our worldly possession. But when you don't have anything to worry about, the only concentration, the only thing you ha- you have to worry about is lost soul. So I, I think you know that God gives me this this opportunity experience that I don't have to worry about money. I have to go there and just do what God wants me to see and do what God, what, uh, God wants me to do. There are lots of opportunities. There are a lot of young, ch- young kids that, you know, if you like children, you'll love me- Mexico City. Uh, you can help out. You can teach English. And, and believe me, you, you will enjoy the friendship there and you will enjoy the time there. Amina.
2: Okay. People at the back hear me okay? Uh, Good morning. Uh, So let's see. Uh, I got the chance to go to Mexico because Pastor Gilbert had a heart attack. And uh, (laughs) God's plan is um, beyond our understanding. Uh, so when we got to Mexico, the first uh, hour, uh, Pastor Low and uh, Mrs. Low took us out to the hotel room, and Mrs. Low took uh, make us some beef bone soup, and that was so good. And they have a lot of experience in South America, so uh, both of them make sure we understand the culture, the language, and the food. So uh, Mrs. Lo said, wherever we take you to eat, you will be safe. And needless to say, we were toured around and informed, and you heard about the safety that Hiran talked about. We were not allowed to carry anything with us except some money in case we get robbed, and what to do when we get robbed. And in Mexico City, we spoke English, Cantonese, and Mandarin, and they feel <laughs> Spanish wood. And so if you don't understand Spanish, it's okay. You will manage. Uh, we understand that poverty is uh, very evident in uh, Mexico because they have a lack of uh, government uh, resources like we do and they have a lot of uh, low-income, low-education, and um, uh, social issues like broken families and drug issues. And um, it's very hard to get out of the cycle once you're in it. And so you t- heard about the Chimbo Church that has a program similar to what uh, Compassion Canada is, and the children go there after school. The children's school is like starts about 7 a.m. till 1, and then another group starts for the afternoon. So the kids can go to the church and have lunch, and then activity and learn about God's words. And then uh, hopefully they will hear about the gospel and learn to do the right thing and get out of the trap. Apparently, the kids get attracted um, at age 8 to sell drugs. And um, so the goal is uh, the same, uh, to spread gospel. And they also have spiritual poverty. Um, and that is uh, because the Bible tells us when people do not know God, they cannot experience the hope and God in their life. So these people, they have no experience, and they, uh, like, they worship uh, statues, and many of them uh um, actually, it's interesting, one afternoon we went for a walk in the city, and we saw these many people, uh, it's a zombie day. We sort of saw them with the wound, blood on their face, and we couldn't figure out what's going on. And so that's what it is. And so what did I learn for my six days there? I learned to um, uh, share God's word uh, involves cross-cultural um, uh, co- collaboration and involves traveling. And you have to be political. You have to know how to connect with the right people and who to talk to so you get your results. And sometimes we uh, involve practical help. And you can see in the picture here, uh, uh, Brian is helping this elementary school uh, to set up the computer system. Apparently, they have no Wi-Fi in the school, and even if they have Wi-Fi, they cannot pay for it. And the uh, picture on the right is the Chimo Church. And we were um very fortunate. I also learned that God uh opened doors when uh, other door closed. Uh, we met this um, united mission uh leader, Carlo, and he actually teaches Spanish in China, and he's sharing the um, gospel with his students and some of the Work is in progress to have the Chinese student come to uh, Mexico to study Spanish. So that's the open door. And we also involved the practical help, which uh, I talk about uh, the uh, computer project. And this kinder of group is the other kindergarten that is in the Southwest area that Hiran was talking about. And they were interested to open doors for us to go in to teach English, Mandarin, help them set up a playground if we can. Uh, just sort of go to Walmart and buy some existing uh, playground equipment and put it out for the kids in the back so they're safe. And uh, maybe paint the walls if we have time. And uh, then one afternoon I visit, uh an elderly lady with MO. And um, so uh, I think we are almost there. Uh, that's the group uh, in the church, and the Chinese couple is the missionary that works at Pastor Law's church. And this is the beautiful view we have um, of the La Paz church. And thank you very much for your donation. And the uh, house, sort of on the uh, by the other side of. Uh, uh, Pastor Sam and Hyron and Brian standing is not ours. Like it's just where they are standing is the groundwork. So we're hoping to complete that with all your donation. And um, so, what do we do? Uh, how do we help them? A um, three specific way is like Hiron said: to pray, to uh, do fundraising, and also uh, go to the short-term mission. Uh actually I think the uh, last week with the training, Pastor Lot was uh, hoping they'll get enough musical talent to do a musical or something. Uh so uh I think in Group Surface we still haven't sent out the invitation. So any of you interested, uh talk to Pastor Sam, Pastor Gilbert or Brian and uh hope to see you in May for two weeks. Actually it's very fun.
0: Thank you. I think the biggest challenge for the three of them uh, in this short-term mission is actually today that they have to listen to my sermon three times. Anyway, let's take a look at some numbers. These numbers you see represents uh, the number of people participate in short-term mission trips in North America per year from 120,000 people in 30 years ago it has increased to over 4 million people last year from 120,000 to 4 million and at the same time the average length of short-term mission trips went down from 2 months in 1989, to only two weeks nowadays. All these numbers are telling us one thing, that as the world around us changes, the way we practice our faith also changes, and mission is of no exception. Think about this, 30 years ago, the cost to travel, especially by flight, was much, much higher than the cost now on a relative basis. As a result, not that many people could afford to travel afar to do missions. But those who could afford it, in order to make such high costs worth it, they normally wouldn't just stay for a couple of weeks. From these statistics, we can understand that short-term mission trips as we know it is a very recent phenomenon. It's something unheard of until only maybe 50 years ago. Think about our grandparents, or at least my grandparents. I bet they would never really need to have a passport unless they needed it for immigration purpose. But in in this generation, some of us would collect entry stamps of different countries, like collecting hockey cards. So technological advances have strung the world to a point in which somewhere that used to, be, used to take months to get to would now only take just a matter of hours. This has presented us opportunities to evangelize and further God's kingdom which never existed before. In the past, when the term mission was mentioned, people would normally think Think of, think of saying permanent goodbye to families, expecting to die abroad. Mission has always meant self-denying sacrifice. Like Paul, Paul spent most of his Christian life in doing missions, and he anticipated his anticipated experience: shipwreck, being bitten by poisonous snake, etc. But today, the most common issue we face with short-term mission is jet lag. And it's a problem only because we got to the other place too fast that our body did not have time to fully adjust. Thanks to aviation technology, it's a small world after all. But globalization also has brought significant challenges to mission. The first impact is the confusion in motive. In the past, no one would risk their life and spend two months on rough seas only to have a vacation. But now, whether you are on a trip for business, for sightseeing, for visiting friends and families, for shopping, or for mission, the way we travel is exactly the same. We line up, pass security, go on a plane, and fly away. And because of that, when we go to short-term mission, instead of just thinking about saving souls, we might also be thinking of sightseeing, buying souvenirs, or uploading tons of exotic photos to our Instagram. Another impact to mission, in addition to motives, is strategy. The increasing popularity of short-term mission trips has a huge impact on mission strategy. Since most, if not all, missions in the past were of long term or even lifelong nature, most mission participants would learn the language and, and the culture of the mission field in order to become part of the community. They would evangelize their community as a local. A short term mission has changed all that. Since most short-term mission trips nowadays last two weeks on average, unless you go to a place that speaks the language you speak, you probably won't spend a couple of years to learn a language of a country that you are going to spend only two weeks in. So most short-term mission participants would not or cannot integrate themselves into the community they want to do mission in most short-term mission participants would do mission as total foreigners. And because of that, more and more short-term mission trips no longer put their focus on direct evangelism to locals due to language and culture barriers. The primary objective of many short-term mission trips right now has shifted to poverty alleviation. However, This kind of change of objective must be re-exempt by churches in order to be God's good stewards. Is such change of focus to poverty alleviation by short-term mission trip the right thing to do? Is it the right mission strategy? How effective is it? Let's do a little math. This year, it's likely to have 4 million Christians in North America going on a short-term mission trip. Let's suppose each will cost an average of 2,000 U.S. dollars, which I think is a very conservative estimate, including air flight and and, and hotel and everything. If we multiply 4 million by 2,000 dollars, that's 8 billion dollars. What's 8 billion dollars? And it's a lot. This amount is probably as high if not higher than money spent on North American long-term missionaries. As we know most of this 8 billion dollar will be spent on air tickets and hotel accommodation. 8 billion dollars. It's a lot of money. It's twice the total annual income of the 5 million Mexicans who live in extreme poverty. What if this 8 billion dollar go directly into the pockets of these poor people? Would it make more economic sense? Of course, I have to say, just looking at these numbers can be misleading. There are many good things that cannot be measured by money alone, especially spiritual things. But the issue is, since so much money, 8 billion, and manpower, 4 million a year, are put into short-term missions every year, we need to make sure that we are doing it right and we'll generate long-term spiritual values. And as such, we need guidance from the Word of God to, to first humble ourselves so that we can re-examine if our current short-term mission strategy should be improved or even renewed. So let's read a passage from the Bible. It's a pas- passage written by the New Testament missionary, Paul, in the letter of First Corinthians, chapter 1. Let me read to you, 26 to 31. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the earth, of the world, to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Jesus Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him boast, boast in the Lord. The title of the sermon today is long-term consequences of short-term mission. My objective is to re-examine the way we do short-term missions, particularly when we are going abroad, to see if they are productive or maybe counterproductive. I would like to start off by looking at this verse that Paul wrote. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. The word call in this passage carries an implication of being given an assignment. When you're called, you're called to do something. You're called to complete a task. Paul was speaking to people who were called already. But these people are not wise by human standards, nor influential, nor carried special social status. They were ordinary, or worse, foolish people. They were called. So if we have an interest or burden to join a mission trip, if you're called to serve, then first recognize that we don't know. There are things that we don't know. When you want to find a job in Canada, a lot of times you will be asked if you have local experience. Well, that's something we don't have when we travel to serve abroad. That's why we must first humble ourselves and examine what we are ignorant about. First, we have to put things into perspective. The first thing we need to re-examine is our motives. Sometimes I heard people saying that going on a short-term mission trip is a shortcut to spiritual growth. You go on a two-week trip and life will never be the same for better. That's probably too good to be true. Studies show that most short-term participants would fall back to their old selves in six to eight weeks. I mean, we are back for more than eight weeks now. And no wonder I'm not missing the Hugo de Naraja as much now. Orange juice. Just think about the situation. The number of short-term mission participants has grown exponentially from 120,000 to 4 million in the last 30 years. In fact, most of these participants were youths and teens. If short-term mission is a proven way to fast-track our spiritual growth, we should see many of these young people to become pastors, missionaries, or at least actively serving in churches. However, during the same period, we see decline in spiritual commitment and church attendance. Real spiritual growth, long-term sustainable spiritual growth, happens in our constant pursuit of God's truth and commitment to serve God at home and abroad. It's a day-in, day-out pursuit and struggle. Now, I I don't rule out the possibility of significant spiritual growth during a two-week trip. I mean, Jesus can appear to you and you can change forever. Because God can do anything. But we just cannot over-anticipate such growth will happen to most people. Also, another thing we need to put in perspective is our understanding of poverty. I mentioned earlier that most short-term missions nowadays tend to focus on poverty alleviation. We go to places like Mexico or other Latin American countries, Southeast Asia, Africa, or even part of China. But in fact, our understanding of poverty poverty might be too naive. When we go to serve in poor areas, we tend to serve them by, by giving them stuff. If we go to visit poor families, we bring food and clothes. If we go to vis- visit orphanages, children's centers, we bring them toys stationery? Well, in giving in itself is not wrong. but the question is, are we offering them what they really need? Not all poverty are the same. There are generally two different forms. One is disaster-induced poverty. The other is structural poverty. Those areas suffer disaster-induced poverty can be well-off communities which were struck by disasters by nature or by humans. Examples can be the victims of the forest fire in the US last year or the victims of tsunami in Japan a few years ago. For those disaster-induced poverty, the need is immediate relief to help them go through the sudden life change. On the other hand, structural poverty happens in countries with long-term structural issues such as corrupted government systems, economic disadvantages, overall education level, unemployment condition, and crime. For countries who suffer structural poverty, what they truly need is not immediate relief. A long-term development. In fact, most short-term mission teams serve in countries with structural poverty. What these areas need is not short-term giving of toys or clothes. but long-term development. To help them improve on education, to better recognize and utilize the gifts God has given them, to raise their moral standard so that crime can be reduced, to develop new generations, to renew the already corrupted government system, etc. However, one common mistake short-term mission teams might make is to apply too much relief in communities that need development. If we apply too much relief in places that actually need development, we could create more harm than good. People can become too dependent, which undermines the motivation to be developed. Too much relief can also hurt local economy. Think about this. If we know that whenever short term mission teams come, they would bring clothes and supplies, then who would want to go to local stores to buy clothes, or shoes or scubags? In fact, too much misfocus on relief can cause inferior feeling to the people we serve and create a superior complex in our own mind. There's a loose-loose situation. Real development happens when we do not just put our focus on what they lack. We need to also see and even focus on what they have. Their gifts, their talents, their abilities and skills, their own contribution to their communities in the midst of hardship. When I went to Mexico with Compassion Canada last year, that was last February, I saw many of the, the that many of the people that I met, adults and kids, they're poor. But they all presented themselves in the best possible way to us. Think about this. If these poor people wanted us to give them stuff, they should present themselves in the worst possible way, right? to gain sympathy, to whine about the harshness of life, and to show us what they don't have, what they lack. But when I was there, the situation was totally opposite. They presented themselves with the nicest outfit. For example, these ones with the traditional uh, clothing, uh, very beautiful. They treated us the best food they could come up with, mostly chicken. And they performed, no, no curry though, and they performed to us with their impressive talents and skills. When we interacted, the only thing I perceived from them was joy, enthusiasm, and thankfulness. Let, let's take a look of a, a one-minute clip of their music performance. Uh, can, you, can you play that video? that earns less than five dollars a day uh, Canadian dollars five Canadian dollars a day and and normally each family has seven, eight people at least so in this experience I learned one important lesson and it's that God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong the poor I encountered in Mexico were people who were gifted dignified driven Thankful bearers of God's image. So if our short-term mission team wants to be effective with them, we need to not only focus on what they lack, though we cannot ignore it, but to also focus on their strengths. Despite trying to improve your cholesterol level, you would not just looking at reducing bad cholesterol, but would also hope to improve your good ones. Right? Is that the right thing to say? Yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ray. You get my idea. So so now, we must acknowledge that we have a lot to learn in making our short-term missions effective with long-term sustaining values. We must humble ourselves in all areas of serving. We never know it all. The scripture today reminds us that no one may boast before God. As we go to poor areas for short-term missions, we need to acknowledge our roles and position. You know, whenever we are in a position to extend mercy, there's always a temptation to feel superior, which feeds on our savior complex. The evil one always tries to tempt us to become bad in doing good. If we come back from short-term mission, feeling proud or superior, then the eight billion dollar will be worse than lost. I remember when I went to Mexico with compassion, when we visited the children's centers, those workers told us that no outside people have visited them in eight years. Many of the children there had never seen foreigners. They were so excited to see me. They were calling me, Chino, Chino. It's Chinese. It was a very pure encounter led by God. And it became a very healthy presence. They were encouraged. We were moved. I realized that we may be worried for for food 10 years from today. But they lived by their daily bread and felt thankful. We could complain and whine about tiny little things. But they can praise God for tiny little things. Their perseverance and trust in God through years living in poverty, have taught me a very valuable lesson. I have learned so much from them, and there's no way I can feel superior without feeling ashamed of myself. Of course, as, as much as we can learn from the people in need, we still cannot ignore their difficulty and needs. But I think that for short-term mission teams to be most effective, we need to partner and support local ministries and churches who are the primary servants of God in those areas to extend God's grace and mercy. It is important that short-term mission teams would go to form long-term strategic partnership in God's mission with them. The final two verses in today's passage says this. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us uh, wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Our goal in short term mission or even long term mission should be this. Let us who boast, boast in the Lord together. Let's lift up the name of our Lord Jesus Christ together with them, with the locals. We should never see the poor and, and, and their difficulties as ways for us to live up Christ's name. The goal of mission in in general is to transform lives and to be transformed at the same time so that foreigners and locals would live up Christ's names together. Like the fundraising project we did for the La Paz Church last month, it was a project that allows us to boast Christ with the local Mexican church together. They have manpower who know construction. They are willing to build the church by themselves, brick by brick, rock by rock, in order to help the kids to stay away from gangs or drugs in, in their area. What they lacked, though, was financial assistance in purchasing the necessary materials such as cement or bricks. God has blessed us that we can raise enough funds for them to purchase all necessary materials. But if we are to go and try to lift those rocks by ourselves, I personally know that I will probably get to see Jesus much sooner. But Brian can do it. We, by God's grace, provided what they needed to allow them to use their gifts and talents to perform things that we are not able to do. That's mutual encouragement. That's two way edifying. In partnership with each other, we aim at boasting Christ's name and his name only together. And I think this kind of long term mutual relationship will make short term mission worthy and effective. So, brothers and sisters of the English congregation, we have a team, as Alina mentioned, we have a team go to Mexico again for longer, a little longer now. It's uh, two weeks just following the norm. April 29th, we'll go. We'll be back May 13th. It will be a joint mission trip with members from the uh, Cantonese congregation, Mandarin congregation, and hopefully English congregation as well. So if you feel, well, I'll be going too, if you feel a burden or interest and can be available during that time, I strongly encourage you to pray about it and to consider going. And I pray that God will continue to lead our church so that we can be faithful to His calling to reconcile the world to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are a gracious and merciful God. You chose us when we had no merits at all. You placed us in this place, gave us material affluence so that we can be a channel of Your love to others. We pray that Your Spirit will light up the fire inside us to be Your faithful witness. To go near and far, to reconcile the world to You. Help us to see the needs as You see them. And help us to serve humbly for all goodness and blessings are from You. Thank You, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.